Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to the Sports Betting Podcast from Pregame.com for the week of January 29th, 2010. I'm your host, RJ Bell. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the business, Vegas runner, genuine professional better here in Vegas, star of the CNBC special on gambling. This is segment one of six, two weeks before the Super Bowl, and we're going to do two segments on the Super Bowl, and then later we have four basketball games we're breaking down for you. Segment one of the Super Bowl is going to be general sports betting discussion. Segment two is going to be line move analysis with the line move expert, Vegas Runner. And you can get all of those videos at pregame.tv. All right, so Vegas Runner, tell us about the line move. Well, we saw a little difference of opinion um, offshore, even though all the books opened it simultaneously. Um, I went back and checked the exact time the line went up. Um, at Chris, Penny, Hilton, even here in Vegas, and Olympic all opened their lineup within three minutes of each other. The latest was the Hilton. They opened it up at 10.20 p.m. Eastern. Chris, the Greek, and Pinnacle all opened their lineup at 10.17 within five seconds of each other. The Greek opened his up at 3. Chris opened theirs up three and a half, and Pinnacle opened theirs up three and a half minus 113. So you were getting plus 104 on the dog. Interestingly enough, Penny had already opened their line up at three minus 113 when the Greek put out three. So he took the opinion that they were a little high. He wanted to make a statement. He is the Greek. Right. But within. Five minutes, less than five minutes, by 10.21 Eastern time, everyone was at four and a half. And the Hilton was already up to five a couple minutes after that. So this line moved up very quickly um, from the opening number. The total, we didn't see much movement at first. Everyone opened 56, except the Greek, who again made his statement, opened 55, thought even though it's a Super Bowl, 56 was a little high, but since then, they've all changed, and they're up around 56 and a half, 57, and the total's expected to keep climbing just like the line is. Okay, so actually, as I think about this, we probably want to do the line discussion yeah. first, and then we'll set the stage yeah. and talk more general stuff after. Okay, so as interesting as that kind of stuff is, three, three and a half, and within four minutes, and that is fascinating. Yeah, Imagine, for Super Bowl. I mean, literally, you, you're waiting there, like, you know, let's say you want to be a wise guy, you're waiting there, it's 10, 16, the line's not up yet, you go to the restroom, you come back, it's four minutes later, and the line's gone from three to, exactly. to five. On, I mean, a, on, on a, such a marquee game like this, where it's supposed to come out sharp, it's a Super Bowl line. Well, is that the case, or is the Super Bowl line probably the biggest, the line 
that is most influenced by public action. Yeah, because it gets the most. It gets yeah, the so most. It's going to probably be, it's going to be the line that, I mean, generally the Super Bowl always feels inflated to the favor. Everyone always says, oh, if this game was played right. early in the year. I mean, let's think about this. We're at five and a half now, right? right. I've seen some six. Uh, yeah, I've seen six as well. Imagine for a minute, you're saying if this game was at Indy, Indy would be a nine-point favor. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, if this game was played even last week and, and it was on a neutral, you know, I put out a, a, a projected line of three on this game. Well, that's what they opened at. I've seen people, you know, serious odds makers projecting out at one and a half or two on this matchup, and we're at six. Exactly. I, I thought this line would come out above three. I didn't think they'd want to put it out at that key number for the Super Bowl and, and risk the Sharps trying to work a middle because of it. So I was su- that's why I'm saying I was surprised e- that it moved because they were willing, a couple very sharp books like Olympic were willing to put out a key number like three and, and then move off it so quickly. That's what I was saying what surprised me. If they would have brought it out at three and a half right away or four, then it's not surprising to go up to six because five, five and a half, they're dead numbers. They'll go to six like that without even much money. So that didn't surprise me as much. But the fact that a couple of these books took a stand and said, we'll make it three and to get off it within minutes, that side is what surprised me. Well, go ahead. My number on it, when we were at the MGM on Sunday, and when the game was over, we were all talking and guessing yeah. what the line would be. My number was four and a half on the game in 53. And how I got to that number, my doing things is remember that prior to the two championship games, you could have bet the AFC. Right. Against anybody. Minus three. Minus three. So if we use that as a starting point, then we look at what we, we, better. Sure. what we saw on Sunday. What we saw was Indianapolis looked tremendous in the second half, dismantled the Jets. New Orleans is here in the Super Bowl, but anybody that watched that game has to walk away and say, New Orleans was not the better team on Sunday against Minnesota. So you got to put a you you got to put a value on public perception, and to me the public perception was worth a point and a half. Right, and that's why I come out at four. The the, the thing and is, a half, I'm sorry. they had trouble bringing out this line because. Well, let me ask you this though: if you almost know if before there's another element to this too, there's a chance the Jets would have won the game. Right. With many in New Orleans, you had almost even teams. So if you would have bet NFC plus three, the worst team you would have gotten would have been Minnesota on that. If you would have bet NFC plus three before the game started, right. you know the, the championship game started. The Jets had, what, a 20% chance, if you looked at the money line, to win that game, or 25 or whatever it would have been. Is On that case, both the Minnesota and New Orleans would have been favored over right. the Jets. So the fact that, that Indianapolis won, he's going to move that off the three to start with. Then you add in public perception. I think you're absolutely right. Four and a half or so would have been a good projection. The fact someone as sharp as the Greek puts out a three, pretty much knowing he's going to get that thing back. Right. Does that mean he wanted to at 10 to win 11? Remember, when you take right, it back, right. you're, you're, it's 10 to win 11, not 11 to win right. 10. Does that mean he wanted to have New Orleans Orleans plus three, you know, uh, 10,000 to win 11,000 or whatever the bet was. He must have wanted that. Wanted New Orleans. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, that, that's totally the case. Um, anyone that I spoke to, even though the, the, they, we all know that the sharp money got down on the Colts right away, 
I, that's their version of getting ahead of the market. They did it two years ago with the with Indianapolis. When Indianapolis came out minus 14 against the Giants, they knew the Giants were the Indian, underdog. New England. New England, excuse me, yeah. That they were the, the Giants were the underdog darling that won all them games in a row on the road and that the, the public was going to fall in love with them. And what did the line do? It went down, just like the wise guys thought well, it was. Yeah, see, but and they I grabbed the that game was a little different. Is I think that was the odds makers trying to jump ahead of what they thought the public move would be on the only undefeated team. Right, and the ever. value. And, but, but then the, the Sharps said, no, they're not going to go this crazy with it. And they bet it down to 12, and then it never, it really never removed from there. Well, the, the thing is, what happens with Super Bowls, like you always know, late money, the the un, the, the public usually bets the underdog. They, they usually, on the, See, the, the money line always goes down. See, I, that's the distinction, and this is such a key distinction, is they bet the money line on the dog, right. and then they bet the point spread on yeah, the Yeah, don't family. get me wrong. Come, come Super Bowl Sunday, the books are going to need the Saints. They're going to be big Saints fans. Where's this line? Let's make a predict. Where's this line end on game day? I, I would not be surprised if it went at the square shops. Seven even money. I would not be surprised at all. So they we, don't want to get there. I don't think they're going to have a choice. When you already see six minus one fifteen out there already, I think it's going to get to six and a half at least. I wouldn't. I, I don't. It'll be so hard to get the seven. But hearing bookmakers out here speaking, they said they'll they'll have no problem at all going to seven. I, I don't think it gets to seven. I think that the number you're going to see is six. I think that's where it's going to settle. It might that doesn't make any sense because, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but the public hasn't even spoken on this game yet. For them, they've got so much money that they've already taken on the Colts. It, it numbers under seven. If you get it to seven, we all remember Black Sunday. Dallas and Well, most Steelers. people don't. That's Super Bowl 13. <laughs> but uh, but that, they did get medal. I can tell you, yeah. they, they remember it here in Vegas. All right, we got to cut. Now, we got part two of this. Part two is coming up right now. Remember, you can get all of our videos at pregame.tv. If you want to download and listen, just go to iTunes and search for pregame.com. This is segment two of six, and this is our second segment on the Super Bowl. We're discussing it. Week one, and then clearly next week we're going to have week two and even more discussions. We'll be talking props next week, uh, arbitrage, all kind of different exciting stuff for the Super Bowl. Now, in part one, we really talked about the line move, and you can get that at pregame.tv. But let's continue talking about the line move a little more. Yeah, the situation and everything leading up. All right, so we in between tapings here, we had five minutes, and we were talking about we don't know if it's going to go to seven or not. Right. what we do know is it's not going – I would be willing to make a major bet. It's not going under six. Right. I mean, it's, we had a – right now there's five and a half. You see them hitting six. Once it gets to six, I'd be very surprised to see it go down. Right. So my point yeah, the is – If the wise guys won in middle this game, they're going to wait till it goes above six. And they have the luxury of waiting until five minutes before kickoff to get down. And that's what they're going to do. With five and five and a half being such dead numbers, they don't want to middle by lane four and getting six. And real quick for the novices, dead numbers mean in, in the NFL, three, seven, ten, fourteen, seventeen, twenty-one, though a little bit less, they fall more often than numbers like five. Right. So every number has a certain value and five actually has a low value. Right. So five has a higher value than it used to because sometimes late in the game, if the number's five, they'll go for two. Right. And and if they miss it, it stays at five. And back in the day, they would always have to, before two-point conversions, they'd kick and go to four. But still a dead number in general. Right. And 
that's why they're so willing to move it up like that from four and a half, five, five and a half. The fr- and people think how much money was bet on it, and it, that's not necessarily the, the friction. Case. Go- the friction going through five is a lot less than going through exactly. Three. And Marco, you did, and we don't want to get into it here. You you've done a blog post on the value of three, and people are going to be really surprised. And the short answer here, and check it out at pregame.com in the blogs, <clears throat> is if you were to take it every three and a half since 1980 and been able to get a three on it and laid the three instead of the three and a half because you shopped around or whatever, you would have actually made 20 units mm-hmm. or over 20 units since 1980 blindly laying three when everyone else was laying three and a half. A half point oh, sure. pushed you into a major profit. And you would have lost 30 units blindly laying three and a half. So there was a 50 unit difference. Just off a half a point. Sure, sure. So, and great stuff in your research with that. I want to give a shout out to Mark Lawrence. It helped with the numbers, uh, the research on that. The the one thing the books are are, are happy about, uh, from what I heard, is that many didn't advance. Because this might have been the first time they had to wait to put out a number on the Super Bowl because of the health of Brett Favre. Mm, That he got so banged up, they had either or lines. Before the game started, they had either or lines. If this happens, this happens, this is what line we're going to put out. When the Indianapolis won, they had created an either-or line, either against many, either against New Orleans. As the game progressed, they started getting worried that if Minnesota advances, how do we add, add the far factor if he's injured? Because he was not 100% when that game ended. So fortunately, they didn't have to cross that bridge. All right, so interesting. So advising on early batting, it it seems very unlikely you're ever going to be laying less than five and a half. Right now you're able to lay five and a half. Right. If you like Indy, I would play it now. Yeah. All right. If you like the dog, it's hard to imagine you're ever going to be getting less than five yeah, and a half. Yeah, you could wait. So you can wait and probably wait all the way to game time. Though if you do see a seven coming next week, it might be time to jump on. I'd be shocked if it went to seven and a half. You know what, what I was just thinking about when you said it's the most influenced public perception game? You're absolutely right. Um, when you even hear the Las Vegas odds makers out here, you know what on a neutral field their true ratings would have the Colts against the Saints. Colts would only be about a one, one and a half point favorite over the Saints. But it does bring up a good point. And Marcos, we talked about this recently, is if you see something, it's more meaningful. Sure. If you win or lose money on it, it's more meaningful. I had seven million people watch that game. I had a big bet on the Saints. I bought it in some spots, and actually others. I actually laid the three and a half. And I'll tell you right now is. I was pissed. And I don't know if it was an extra big bet, if it was because it felt like we should have had, even though we got outplayed, it felt like that should have been a game we got lucky on. There's a lot of little things. And I can tell you right now, I can't imagine, and I'm a pretty disciplined batter, I can't imagine wanting to bet that Saints team again. No, and the odds makers say if they would have had to play this game again next Sunday, they would have put the game out of pick them. Is that right? Yeah, that, that, so there are their adjustments because they adjust after the games. Their adjustments now would have many a three-point, uh, uh, what's it called, a pick em at New Orleans. So three points better than them on a neutral field. Wish it would have been pick Yeah, now, that, that's, that's the number they would use. The reason this line came out high um, is because they added Super Bowl experience for the Colts. 
And that's, public perception. Yeah, but the number, the first, what, listening to what Ken White from LVSC said, he actually created his line and made it one and a half. And then he stopped and he thought, wait, I forgot to add in that within the last five years, the Colts not only got to a Super Bowl, but won a Super Bowl. And that's the biggest difference, not just getting there. And the reasoning was if the Buffalo Bills would have won right. one of them Super Bowls, so, they would have won three or four type thing. So here's my question to Marco is we always talk about how can we get something where the public reacts to it but it really isn't meaningful and then go the other way because that's where the value is. Where, when is something deceiving or misleading? And my question is, is watching that New Orleans game, people clearly have re- reacted strongly to it. My gut feeling is properly reacted. I think this New Orleans team was debunked, was unmasked, I really, again, I really looking back, I said, what's been their marquee win? I said it before the game, is the Giants felt like a marquee win. It wasn't. And then it felt like the Patriots was, but the Colts, or excuse me, the Ravens dismantled the Patriots, and then they got dismantled by Indianapolis. Other than that, what's the marquee win for this team? They were at home. Supposedly the home field was going to mean everything, and they got almost doubled in yardage, if I remember. I don't know how it ended. like, I know late in the game, it was like 400 to 200. Yeah, but they were also, I mean, that was a big pressure situation. This team has never been in that spot. <laughs> well, I know so they, were, more now, they were man. home. No, no, but I'm saying they didn't look even from the beginning of the game like that Saints so where's team. The, so my question is, there's a huge reaction to the poor performance by the Saints. Is it warranted? Uh, I think it's an overreaction. The I've said it all the time that when a team has a winning, you know, they have that magical season, somewhere along the line they have that game that they shouldn't have won, that they advanced. And this is definitely New Orleans. They're living with their, their mar- What's their marquee win? Well, the same thing. Do you have an answer? I, I don't have a marquee right, win. That's all I need to hear. Because there is no marquee win. But let's flip it. Where. The Indianapolis had the easiest road to the Super Bowl. They they haven't lost a game with their starters. But they had the easiest road to the Super Bowl. They got to play everyone the play, everyone with they're a playing second is year, easy. A second year quarterback, and they won the championship game with against a first year quarterback. Uh, who would have who, who would have beat the Colts in the AFC? Well, it was the supposed, to be, the, lo- it was supposed to be the Chargers. The team that lost at home against the team you said it's easy for the Colts to beat. Right. I mean, come on. All right, last interesting point here is we were talking about the odds makers. To me, this is a reoccurring thing, theme that we keep talking about is there's this sense that these odds makers are on the mountaintop. Yeah, and when have a supercomputer. Yeah, supercomputer. When in truth, there's four or five guys Just that, like that drive up. There. Well, not like us, I don't think. I, I don't want you to say that to no, me. No, I'm saying sitting around <laughs> the table. That's what I'm saying. They're driving up in their in their beat up Volkswagen yeah. making lines. And listen, they know their stuff, but they're only a handful of people and they're very smart, but they're not the smartest people in the world. No. Because let's be honest, if you could beat the line, there's a lot more money than the, yeah. there to be made making than making it, the exactly. line. The only people willing to make the line for a living are the ones that can't beat the line. And I think an example of that is that they, they sent out 52 uh, and for the total, yeah. and it actually opened at 56. The book said, I don't care. It's fit. You say 52, we say 56. And the market shows they were wrong. We're up against it. Okay, guys, you can get all of our videos at pregame.tv, or if you want to download and listen, just go to iTunes and search for pregame.com. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com.
This is segment three of six, big game preview, college basketball, Duke at Georgetown. Now, we do this a little differently. We tape on Thursday here, and what we're going to do is we're going to project the line on the game and then discuss it based upon that line. And if the line's off, that's a sign of where the value is. So, for example, in this game, VR first, what did you project the line to be? I made Duke a four-point road favorite, and I set the total of 141. Okay, Marco, what do you project the line? I have it at three and a half uh, for this game. Three and a half? Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's discuss it because VR is the line. Whenever you two disagree, we're going to go with VR's line. Now, whenever you two disagree, if you disagree by a whole point, we'll actually split the difference right. if, or more. If you disagree by a half a point, I guess I'll do the tiebreaker. I'm going to go with four. So discussing the game is four. VR, start off. What jumps out at you? Uh, simply Duke last night uh, blew out. Uh, so, so we're talking Wednesday night? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Duke showed up, and they played great defense yesterday. And although they, they haven't gotten any respect on the road, they're only 5-3 and three on the road, this is a big out-of-conference game for them against a ranked Georgetown team. Um, so that's why I think this line, even though it might sound high, Georgetown a home dog getting four, Duke just looked so good the other night, last night, that, that I, I think it, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out four or even higher. And what we probably want to do, guys, is let's discuss the nights not relative to today, but the day. So let's say Wednesday night or Thursday, and that way it won't be so confusing. All right, so Wednesday night, Duke looked good. So... What you're saying, though, to me, when I hear that, I'm thinking, okay, I want to go with Georgetown. If there's a national TV game in which Duke looks good, I'm thinking there's going to be a little inflation premium right there. That's where my first lean would be. Marco, what jumps out at you? Um, absolutely. Perception-wise, people are going to buy back into the fact that Duke's back. Duke had a couple so-so games, but then they've been seen on national TV their last two games. Last Saturday night was the big ESPN. Clemson. The cameras were at campus all day at, at Clemson. That was the big game. And they came and just throttled Clemson. Everybody saw that Saturday night. They follow that up with Florida State on Wednesday night on ESPN again. So public perception is... This is Duke that we we have come to see. That's why I said four, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's even a little higher. Even though Georgetown's rested and they're nine and one at home, I still think the stock is real high right now on Duke. The problem that I had with this line was not Duke's lines, because I agree with you. The line's going to be pumped based on what Duke's done. Georgetown's game is the the troubling yeah. game to, to analyze and break down. They played on Tuesday night, I believe it was Tuesday, against uh, Syracuse. On no, Actually, it was Big Monday. It was Monday night against uh, Syracuse. They jumped out 14 nothing to open the game and got throttled yeah. afterwards. I had Syracuse in that game, and I was like, oh, my God, I was down 14 nothing, And then it was just amazing the way Syracuse absolutely shut them down. So the viewers, what do you take away from seeing such a disparity of a game where it changed so drastically? And will Georgetown have a carryover come Saturday? Fundamentally, Georgetown's the type of team that does give Duke problems. Duke is... A finesse team. They're, they like to shoot the outside shot. They don't bang it inside like they, they used to. All right, so, all right, so you're saying physical team, so fu fundamental matchup-wise, negative for Duke. You're saying Wednesday's performance on national TV at Duke that was positive is going to – and then two straight national TV 
uh, performances that were positive. And as you always say, there's two ways a game matters more. One is if you see it. Mm-hmm. It feels more tangible, and number two is if you bat it, it feels more tangible. I can speak. I'm, I'm still pissed at the Saints after after <laughs> all the big bets I made on them, and clearly we're seeing that with the Super Bowl line is the way that people are overreacting to what they yeah. saw and what they bet because we were sitting there at the um, at uh, Caesars, right? Yeah. Oh, MGM. MGM. We were at. Jeez, I'm like, was what? you drinking? Uh, it's like it's like uh, I always mix up Caesars and MGM. I guess it's the uh, I don't know why. That that is. I <laughs> yeah, do. there's nothing similar there to me. <laughs> I always do for some reason. But but it's it's almost like the rock star. It's like, you know, hello Cleveland. It's like, no, you're in Columbus. It's like a, but I'm sorry. The point is when we were watching that game, even at halftime, the line opened up minus three flat, and it was bet all the way up right. to 140. It was all kind of Saints action. All the Saints people that didn't buy the half point are pissed off, and now you can see them all saying, well, screw that. I'm betting on the Colts. Right. Peyton Manning hasn't disappointed me lately. I think exactly that's what it is. And I, I my, myself, I'm leaning Georgetown for this game. If this line comes up above four, which it very may well, very well may, I, I love the dog in this spot. I, I think it's a good spot for Georgetown. The problem with Georgetown is they're young and and they don't use their bench at all. Even though they go nine deep, it's all on the starters. They get absolutely zero production from their bench. You're saying they have a deep rotation, but once they go past the top five, it's a poor team. Exactly. And I think having four days to prepare for Duke is the best thing that could happen for this team. So they played Monday, which means that one, if they had played Wednesday, they'd be more tired. Right. Interesting. So I think that's a per. I mean, for this team being young, getting four extra days just to prepare for one opponent, which is a big opponent for them, probably their season. All right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm making this my official free kick. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Because I was looking, I was looking another way, and uh, now I am leading 2010. I don't want to make. You're a ahead. Big, You're I don't want to make a big deal about that because it is only two and one. But seven <laughs> percent ATS. That, that's it. I big gold star. Um, I'm actually ten and eight since the start of football. I haven't given one every week. I'm going to take Georgetown, hoping to get to four. I like it. That's what we're projecting. I would suggest waiting as close to game time. As yeah. possible, you're going to be getting Duke action. All right, we got three minutes, Marco. What else jumps out at you here? You hit the nail on the head with the young team, and that's what we saw happen Monday against yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, they don't know when, they have to play a whole 40 minutes. When, you know, when that run happened, it, it's like that team almost looked like deer caught in headlights, and they'll have growing pains. But this is a note for later in the year. A young team like this that plays these type of tough out-of-conference games – that's huge. You toughest get the March schedule. Madden. This Georgetown team has so far the sixth toughest schedule in college basketball, and they're fifteen and four. So I mean, they play extremely well. But again, it's that experience factor, and you see late in the game they just don't know what to do yet. And, and I think that's been their biggest problem. Duke they, this year they do have height. That's that's usually like you said, they're an outside shooting team. This is the one year where they do have height inside. But Georgetown is an even bigger team. So I think that's going to take away a big advantage for Duke. They're playing a different style this year. Even though you know they're putting up points, they're not that tenacious on defense. For a Krzyzewski coach team, I'm not impressed at all on them defensively. So I think Georgetown will be able to slow the game down. That's what they're going to have to do. They're not going to run with Duke and outscore them. But I think at home they'll be able to slow this game down. And the problem with Duke is... 
they only get offensive rebounds. They don't get any defensive rebounds. But the strength of Georgetown is they're on, on the defensive glass. They don't let teams get second shots. And I think that's a huge advantage in what you need to beat Duke. So I really like that side here. All right. Well, that I makes me like it. Now, we got a minute here. You talk about strength of schedule a lot. Now, yeah. in the NFL, as much as that's important, the, te- the variation between the teams is, is, is modest. Right, right. In college, sometimes you'll it, have huge, huge differences. Huge. So, what, in the, so, we'll get into this as the weeks go sure. by here in basketball. I think it's But specifically, huge. Georgetown has played a very tough Extremely schedule. Extremely strong. And you have to look at that in basketball because some of these teams might be 3-11 and 11 when conference starts, when the conference play starts. Excuse me. But they had the toughest at-a-conference schedule. And now all of a sudden, they're playing in the Missouri Valley or the Horizon League. And they built up so much experience playing that tough out-of-conference schedule. So you got to dig into that when you look at college teams. And out-of-conference schedules. Quickly. you got to look at how they adjust to teams they don't normally see. Right. You could have a tough conference, but you see those teams twice a year. Yeah. And that's why teams that play tough out-of-conference do good in the tournaments. Go Hoyas. Okay. Good stuff. Next up, we're going to do another college big game preview. Remember, you can get all of our videos at pregame.tv, and you can actually win $100. Just comment in this comment section at YouTube, predict the exact score, you get $100 pregame dollars, no obligation. Just free, free chance to make a comment and make a prediction. We'll be back. This is segment four of six, big game preview, college basketball. We've got Kansas, Kansas State. Now, we do things a little differently during basketball. The lines aren't even out on this game, but we're going to replicate the experience of what a handicapper does, which is they handicap the game, they put a line out, and then based upon what the true line is, they, or what the actual line ends up being, they actually act upon it. So, Vegas Runner, when you look at this game, what's your number? Okay, I made Kansas a four-and-a-half-point road favorite, and I set the total at 154. Okay, Marco. I have Kansas at minus three-and-a-half for the game. I don't have a total. All right, okay, so we're going to talk about this game as if it was minus four. Okay, so Marco, at four, what jumps out at you on this game? Well, the first factor is people are going to look this is a big rivalry. It's Kansas, Kansas State. It's probably a bigger rivalry for the home side here. Yeah, Kansas for sure. State. Um, they're also going to look at the fact that Kansas State on this floor handed Texas their first loss of the season. Texas was number one. Who, so you're saying the the public handicapping the, the this public game. looking at this game is going to say, hey. It feels like a familiar situation. Great team coming into Kansas State. Yeah, that's how the public looks at it. What I look at when I go back to that Texas game is Texas played horrible in that game. They shot. Yeah. They had a bad shooting percentage in the game. They played poor defense. And Kansas State was able to win that game shooting only 35%. That's how bad both teams shot. They ended up winning that game. That's not going to happen this time. Uh, I lean to Kansas in this game. I, I think Kansas is a stronger team. In recent history, Kansas State has played Kansas tough, especially at Kansas State. But this year, I'm not as impressed with Kansas State. I think they're doing it with mirrors. They've been. They also only shot 38 percent against Colorado. All right, all right, slow down. All right. So here's here's what confuses me a little bit. 
is you're saying Kansas State beat the number one team in the country shooting 35%. To me, that seems to speak well towards Kansas State. If you're going to typically shoot better than that and you can still win shooting bad, isn't that the sign of a good team? What I saw in watching the game, this is one of the ones And that's that I why watched, we get inside the box score. Go ahead. Is Texas... They played that game with they weren't they were the team not hustling to every loose ball. They I don't know what so it was. You're saying the limitation that because teams play bad for one of two reasons they're forced to play bad. The defense is so tough you're stealing the ball, etc. Or you just are playing poorly through no effort from the other team. You're saying watching the game that it was more about Texas playing bad than Kansas State playing well. Right. Yeah, That's and Kansas State playing above their heads, and I think. Texas went in cocky, number one, thinking it was just going to be another day at the office, and they were shocked because before that game, people were saying Kansas State, you know, they're a good team. They're just not there yet, you know, in the Big 12. But now people are talking about them like this team could make a run when March Madness comes. They're ranked 13th. So I think Kansas is going to come in ready for this one. They're not going to underestimate them like Texas did. All right, so what jumps out at you? Um, What really jumps out at me is that Kansas is the kind of team that I think is just too much for a Kansas State team to handle. Let me explain. What's the line, Kansas? I'm sorry to jump in. Since I don't have much basketball, when I do have a good idea, I want to get right to it. (laughs) Kansas, Texas, neutral, what's the line? I'd have to make Kansas a a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite. And what was was the Kansas State? Do we have the Kansas State-Texas line? The game actually, if I remember correctly, opened up Texas one, and then ended up being Kansas bet, State being bet to Kansas State being the favorite. favorite. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry and no, it, this what Kansas State does is they use all their players. They go nine deep, and they could go deeper. I mean, it's I've seen twelve guys playing their rotation in a game, and that's fine, and that that's a way to grind out a win. But against a team like Kansas, who plays good offensively and defensively, you got to have stars on on the court at all times to win games to stop them. Because they're not just going they're not a team that's just going to outscore you. They're also a team that's going to shut you down on defense. I mean, not only are they fourth in points, they're 39th out of the whole NCAA in points allowed. And when you look at the field goal percentage, they're second in defense in field goal percentage. I mean. All right, so the distinction between those two is points allowed, the pace of the game is going to affect that stat a lot. For sure. So when you've got a Kansas team that likes an up, up-tempo exactly. game, even if you're a great defensive team, you, you might only be, like you said, 30-35th when it comes to points allowed. Right. But field goal percentage is neutral when it comes to pace. Exactly. And this is the second best defensive team exactly. in the country. Exactly. So it, they're for real. Not only could they score better than anyone, but they could lock you down too. And what I think the biggest edge is that they have too much size for Kansas State. They're too tall. They're too big. When you see them on the court, that's the one weakness that Texas has. I have them as a future, and I think they're going to go far. But Texas's weakness is they're not big enough up front, underneath. You know, I mean, they got great guard play. Sometimes they'll go three across, but they're just not big enough in the post, in the paint. And that's where Kansas excels. And against a team like Kansas State, where they have the option to beat you inside, beat you outside, I don't think Kansas State has enough to stop them, man. 
I think one other negative that Texas had going into the Kansas State game, even though that game was on ESPN, their next game coming up was against Connecticut, which is always a marquee name. Even though Connecticut's down a notch this year, they're still a marquee So you think Texas might have been looking ahead? Because it was a Saturday game on national TV, not ESPN. Well, we previewed that. Everyone was talking about it. And even though Kansas State, you know, the line was pick them, the clearly between a Connecticut or Kansas State, that felt like the more exciting to game. To use a word you use a lot, the, the marquiness of it <laughs> would have and, been more to the. And let's not forget, game. Kansas has had an easy go of it their last four or five games. They've crushed since that loss at Tennessee. They've just come out and destroyed everybody, but they haven't been really challenged. I think this is a game where they're going to say, "Okay, they beat Texas." Let's show up for this one. And I think when they do that, that's where Kansas State's going to be in trouble. Well, I really like home dogs, you know, yeah. especially in conference play. But this is one of them spots where I just I can't back it. And Kansas, I mean, Kansas State has had to play. They just came off beating Baylor. They beat Texas. They lost that uh, against Oklahoma State at home. They've had a tough few games. And now, all of a sudden, you're playing who may very well be the best team in the country after Kentucky losing. I don't know. I think it's too much for them. I actually have friends in the Kansas program, and uh, or w- the Kansas University athletics might be the better way to say. And the fact of the matter is, they were very proud. I mean, that Manhattan Lawrence rivalry, Kansas State Kansas, is very potent. You know, if you're not from that area, it's not very right. meaningful. It's not Michigan Ohio State. But it really is a key rivalry. Wow. They were very proud of having not lost at Kansas State all that time. Last year was a very meaningful loss. It was a very meaningful win for Kansas State. Right. Very meaningful loss for Kansas. I, I think their motivation is much higher to redeem themselves than we might think off that loss last year. Okay, now we don't have an official free pick here, though we all seem to be leaning towards, towards the Kansas. favorite here, yeah. But when we don't, at least once a week, when we don't have an official free pick, we give away a coupon if you want to buy something on this or any game at pregamepros.com. Hit it, Marco. All right. Well, it's the NFL Pro Bowl this week, so we're going to go with the coupon code Pro Bowl, all one word, and the number 10. And the 10's one word, too, so no spaces. Right. It's the number 10. Mm -hmm. And you put that in it, go to the shopping cart, pick whatever you want to buy, load it up in your shopping cart, enter that coupon, it'll automatically deduct $10 off. And if the cost of the package is only ten dollars, it's free on RJ. On and, the if house. The, and if the cost of the package fifteen, it's five bucks. It's five bucks. All right, who's really hot? Who's really hot? Well, Mike Cook, sixteen and five with his uh, college basketball. And two of those losses were, were by I, a half point. I think actually he's had three losses in his last four. Within plays, by a three point, point shot, it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> so so all right. Well, so we got a guy that is losing the close ones and winning overall. Oh, absolutely. Mike Cook. All right. Okay, now, that's it. We're going to be back, and we're going to be actually previewing the big Sunday game with the Lakers and the Saudics. Remember now, we have a special now in YouTube where you're probably watching this. Make a comment. Predict the score of the Kansas-Kansas State game. If you get it exactly right, you win 100 pregame dollars. No cost to enter. Just do a comment and predict the score. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit PregameLines.com. This is segment five of six, big game preview, NBA, Sunday, 
Lakers at Celtics. Now, here's what we do a little differently during basketball. We record these nice and early for you guys, and what we do is predict the line on the game because the line's not even out yet, and then based upon that line, we have an idea where the value is. So, Vegas Runner, what's your prediction on the Lakers-Celtics line? Yeah, and this is a little more difficult because Boston is playing another game with Atlanta before the Sunday game. So that might affect it a little. So I'm using my ratings and trying to send what the true line is as opposed to what the fair line may be. Because the fair line is going to be based also on perception, and the perception changes with each result. Yeah, but let's be honest now. In the NBA, where there's 82 games, yeah. any result, no matter how extreme, it would seem to me, and let's just start the conversation with this before you even get into uh-huh. the line, any result is not going to affect the line even a half a point. I mean, all right, let's just come up with a scenario. Let's say that, that the Celtics have a great performance on Friday night and they beat the Hawks on the, you know, they're on the road, they win by 10. Right. Or in scenario number two, they lose by 15. Right. Are we really saying that that even affects that line a half a point? I think when it's a marquee televised matchup, it may. Only because I think it may it, a half. What does that even mean? No, I, I'm, I think it'll, it'll affect the line. It could affect it because I think the odds makers are going to adjust for public perception more on and that does, televised game. But, but that's game. the question: Does public perception, and we'll jump to Marco in a second, does it change even a half a point on one NBA game? In this instance, we've got a unique situation, and it can, and I'll tell you why. They actually play two games before Sunday. They play Thursday night on TNT. At Orlando, another marquee game. Right. Then they play Friday night. Uh, I believe it's ESPN. At Atlanta. At Atlanta. And then they play this game on Sunday. The average, I call them John Q. Public, if they watch those two games this week, if they would happen to lose to Orlando, then lose to Atlanta. And they and haven't now covered pl- seven straight by and, then. And now they're playing the Lakers, who, again, to use one of your words, is the more you know marquee-type team, uh, the marquee-ness of the Lakers. This would be the one that they would have more trouble to win. So it will affect the line. That is if they have losses in both of so those. So we're saying, in your guys' opinions, in most cases, one game or even two in the NBA is not affecting the line too much. But in special cases where it's national TV, back to back, especially a team on a losing streak that if they lose, ATS losing streak, if they lose two more, now it's like you say, seven. Right. It might be a half a point difference. Right, right. But I, I made my number. Boston, a two point home favorite. I made the total 192. It's a big adjustment. They played last year, and Boston was actually a seven point home favorite. But I think a lot's changed since then. And it was actually this time last year that they played. They played All in right. February. So you're predicting two? Two. I'm predicting two and a half, and I don't think it'll be any higher than that. Yeah. Even, even with drastic Yeah, outcomes. yeah, I don't think so either. Not against the Lakers. All right, so whenever you guys are off by a half, I, pre- I go with the tiebreaker. Let's talk about this game as if it was minus two. I think the Lakers are. so As much as we want to say Boston's a marquee team and the Lakers are a marquee team, I think they're two different levels yeah. of marquee, and I just think the Lakers are at the very top. Okay, so what jumps out at anyone? Now, you got a free pick on this game. i got a free pick on All this right, game. So this is your official free pick, 15-7 and seven since the start of football, and your free, free pick's right here. This, I think this is a great spot for the Lakers. Even though the Lakers are in a major negative, this is their seventh road game. 
uh, seventh of eight. This is an yeah. eight-game road trip. Just unprecedented to have this long of a road trip in the NBA. But I'm flipping it around, and I'm going against the Boston Celtics. Tough weekend for the Celtics. They're playing between Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Three games, four Two days. Two big conference games. These are three. All three games are major. Are huge, I'm saying Orlando marking. and Atlanta are, are huge games. They're for them huge right games now. for the in the East. Yeah. And then is there any game bigger, bigger than, than the Lakers? Than the with Lakers? Revenge, yeah. Garnett just come back from an injury. Teams, that, you know. He's healthy, but you have to get your sea legs back when you come back to the NBA. When you miss games, you know, you get your, you know, your legs, your wind so All right, so let me ask you this, because we actually broke down another, and if you're listening on the podcast, it's actually the sixth segment is uh, Friday's game. But because it was Friday, we wanted to put it last for those who start listening on Saturday. And we talked about how... Boston's poor, poor performance the last five games or so, four or five games, ATS, might be the overvaluation of the return of Garnett. But then we talked about after a while, these returning stars get integrated back into the system, perform as well, and the public, because they perform less well than they thought for a few games start to be down on them so you actually have when the team starts to actually uptrend the public perception downtrends now is is that that's what we thought when we talked about Friday's game doesn't that apply even more to Sunday at this point it would apply more to Sunday but the fact is they're playing the best team of the three and they're going to be playing a different style of team Orlando's very physical the Orlando game on paper you would expect a war those games have been played in the 80s and, and upper 70s. Defensive struggles. Atlanta can play both ways. I expect the Lakers in this game to come out running the ball. I expect them to force the tempo on every possession, not to play a half-court game, to let Boston get into that half-court offense and shorten the game. The Lakers well, want to make them run. That's what they're going to want to do because also, even though this is the Lakers, they're on that eight-game road trip. This will be number seven, like you said, and they're playing eight of the eight games in 11 nights all on the road. Um, this will also be Boston's third game in four nights. And the difference between the Lakers and Boston, even though Boston goes deeper in their rotation, they're one of them teams again where their bench doesn't get a lot of quality minutes. Lakers don't go as deep, but when you look at their bench and you look at Farmer, Odom, them guys coming off, these guys play 20 minutes of, of basketball. So even though they're bench players, they're playing as much as some of the starters. And I think you know that's going to benefit the Lakers as opposed to where Boston playing three games in four nights. I could see them being tired for this game too. I like I like the Lakers here to win the game. I have the Lakers winning it by four to six points on my number. Okay, so what's your lean, VR? Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I was looking at this game, and I, I don't love betting marquee games over, public games over, but I think this is one of those situations where Marco makes sense with both teams tired. Um, I think we're going to see less of a defensive effort and them running a little more. More possessions gives you more chance, you know, for points. And, and I, that's, I think- what, that's something that novices don't understand is in basketball and football typically, tired teams equal an over because it takes more energy to play defense. Right, where, where the public goes in the opposite and thinking they're, you know, gonna they're not tired, the they're not going to be able to, to score as much, where I think it's the opposite. So you have a lean towards the over. Yes, I do. And... Looking at the Celtics in general, because we've broken them down now uh, uh, twice this week, is where do you see 
the point being where Garnett becomes more of a positive than is being accounted for in the line. Well, actually, in one of the earlier podcasts, we did like the Celtics in the game. And I think in that situation, playing a team that they've already lost to twice, you're going to get added value with the Celtics because it was the Hawk game where Atlanta had already beaten them twice this year. That was uh, My free pick. your free yeah. pick, and I agreed with you. There was value there to take the Celtics, but now they're back home. They're playing the Lakers. You know, you're going to be paying for the Celtics at home, but it's still going to be a reasonable line because you're always going to get a short side involving the Lakers. There's going to be a favoritism yeah, to the Yeah, and the marqueedness, as we say, Boston is relatively less marquee. Right. But so I, the Garnett is, angle isn't going to add points to this it. This is probably the only game of the year where by playing Boston, you're getting the value of going against the team, the Lakers, that are even more highly regarded. Right. All right. Well, good stuff. Okay. So, official free pick on the Lakers from Marco. Okay. Good stuff. Next up is we actually looked at the next up is the Boston Atlanta. So, you'll be able to get that. Remember, that's a Friday game. You can get all of our videos at pregame.tv. And we also have a new feature where you can guess the score. Just go to pregame.tv in the YouTube section and predict the score of this game. If you get it exactly right, you win 100 pregame dollars to spend any way you want. This is segment six of six. We're actually going back to Friday now, and we're looking at the Hawks and the Celtics. Okay, Vegas Runner, tell us about the line moves in this game. Okay, as we don't have a, an official number on this game out yet because it's being played tomorrow night, but I think it's pretty easy to come out with a line. I made the number Atlanta minus four, total around 193. I don't think it's going to be off much. Um, they've already played twice this year. Uh, the first time they were in Atlanta, Atlanta was a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The total was 193, and Atlanta won and covered that game. So I think we're going to see pretty much the same thing again. And you make a good point. I misspoke. One of the interesting things we're doing in basketball is when we do do these previews far enough ahead, remember, they only put the line out overnight Correct. usually. Uh, some, it's, it's getting a little bit earlier as, t- as the years go by, but still only overnight. And uh, what we're going to be doing is predicting the line, and then based upon the variation from our predictions, we'll speak about the game based upon the consensus between you two on what you think the line's going to be, um, and then we'll discuss the game that way. But if the line ends up being off significantly, then that's where the value is going to be. So, Marco, what we'll do with these games without the line is, what do you put the number at? Um, I actually agree with Vegas Runner, but there's going to be an adjustment because uh, Boston's playing tonight. We're taping on Thursday, so they're going to be playing back-to-back games. And I have found through the years that whenever one team is rested and the other team isn't, Vegas adjusts the line about a point and a half to two points. So I'm looking at Atlanta probably going to come out on this game at five, unless Boston just has a lights-out performance that everybody sees on TNT. Okay, so again, there's always going to be there's always the, the potential caveats or uh, variables here. What we want to do is define what we think the line's going to be, understanding if the three starters blow out their knees, it's going to be different. So Correct. there's a lot of possibilities. You're coming out of five. You're coming out of four. So we'll talk about the game as if it's four and a half. 
Okay, so now let's segue right into your point. And one of the things we try to do here is talk about specific games, but also talk about lessons that you can carry forward in your handicapping. Is you're talking about back to back in the NBA, and you're saying that's a big negative to play back to back. All right, so VR, clearly you agree with that. Any other thoughts about the whole back to back? No, but I just think because Boston hasn't played since the 25th. While Atlanta's playing to, on the 27th, it's not, they're not going to have to adjust as much. If Boston was playing three times in four nights, then I think we'd see a higher adjustment. But because Boston's going to be playing on back-to-back nights but coming off a rested week, that's why I didn't put too much consideration uh, into that. All right, so that's a good lesson, which is, yeah, back-to-back matters, but looking at the last five to seven Days matter too. Sometimes you actually get the the dreaded four games in five five nights, nights, which are a lot more extreme than if you have three days off, then a game on Thursday and a game on Friday. And also, it's the travel. So, where's the game at on Thursday? They're in Orlando, so it's not a big travel. All right, so a short, and that's another factor with the back to backs. Okay, what else jumps out of you, Mark, on this game? Well, you've got Boston that last week Kevin Garnett returned to the lineup. So they're, you know, they were struggling for about a couple weeks there playing mediocre ball. Uh, now they got their star back. You would expect Boston to make a run now. now when did he come back? Uh, it was last week, uh, midweek. Yeah. So let me ask you this. One of your concepts is when someone gets hurt the first game or so, the team usually performs better because they identify we got to play better, we've lost something special, and then that can only last for so long. Sometimes there seems to be a flip side to that corollary, which is... That whenever the star comes back, all those guys that were playing at a a higher level kind of relax because the star's back, and generally the line is inflated the opposite way now because the star's back. And if you look, and there's an integration issue is they got to give, and even if it's only chemistry, all right. And that's what we've seen. Boston's now 0 and 5 ATS their last five games. The line got inflated as soon as Garnett came back. I agree with that. And like anything else, there's ebbs and flows. Now people lost money five straight games, uh, you know, if they bet them every game, and now, lo and behold, they don't want to back them. Just when Garnett is starting to be properly integrated back into the team. Exactly, and I agree there. That's why I have my free pick on this All right, game. so, oh, wow, official free pick <laughs> on this one. And you, since the start of football, this isn't just cherry-picked records. From the start of football, you're 12-5. and five. Yes, sir. All right, on these freebies right here at pregame.tv. For absolutely free. Hit us. I, I love Boston in this spot. Um, I think Atlanta has a big game Friday night. I mean, uh, they're against San Antonio is Atlanta's big game. And I, I really think they're going to look to play hard in that one. It's playing against the West, where I think Boston, this is their time to show. I mean, Atlanta's beaten them three straight times now. They're the Achilles heel for Boston. That's what everyone's saying. This will be the year that finally Atlanta could beat Boston in a series. They've already played twice this year, and Atlanta's beaten them. But that was on a three-day weekend, if you remember. They played on like a Friday, and Boston lost, and then they had to travel to Atlanta, and Atlanta just beat them again. They had that momentum. This time around, I think we're seeing a Boston team that's going to come in, and this is the circled game for them. I know they're on the road trip planning. Or All right, so, so let me jump in a second. And 
I can totally agree with you that this is a statement game for Boston after, like you said, the losses against the Hawks. But you don't really think the Hawks, if they could win one of two games against the Spurs or against the Celtics here to make it 3-0 on the year, they prefer to win the Boston Oh, yeah, yeah. They're gonna so, be, but I just think they're, they're going to get physically tested more against the Spurs. I don't think we're going to get uh, I think we're going to get a little line value here because like Marco said, Boston's going to look like they're on a back-to-back night. But I think the Spurs are going to give Atlanta that kind of physical game where I think Boston will just have an easier time this time around. If you look the last time they played, what happened? Atlanta got to the free throw line 33 times. Where Boston, who who is a team that does most of their damage in the paint, only got to the free throw line like 18 times. 15 less free throws. And that was without Garnett. I think this time around they're going to work the ball in the paint. Garnett's going to be a big part of the offense. And I I just think that's enough for them to wear this team down and get the cover, if not the straight out win. Before I hear your response, Marco, you know, I'm just getting into my basketball handicapping, so bear with me, guy. I'm I'm letting you guys carry me here. When does Atlanta play the Spurs? Uh, I got that right here. On the 27th. They just played. So, So they played on Wednesday night. Yeah. Okay, and what was the result of the game? They lost by 15. All right, so we don't have to speculate on that. Today's Thursday. They played on Wednesday. They traveled. That was their travel. They had two road games. So they went road, road against the Spurs, got beat up. One day rest. One day rest. And that's another interesting point, too, which is that with, especially with even longer road trips in the NBA, that first home game is usually a little bit disruptive. You're checking the mail. The the players come back, they're checking the mail. The wives want to have, Marco can relate to this, a special date night and that kind of stuff. So (laughs) to me, that, 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 that return game is always the least advantage for the home team. Uh, any closing thoughts by you on this, Mark? No, uh, I would lean here. The value in this game is to take Boston. Um, I'll wait and see what they do tonight to really decide if, if I would make a play on the game. But if playing it right now without tonight's results, situational handicapping, which is one of my strong suits, I do agree with the Boston setup that you're going to get line value here. Official free pick, we're projecting that Boston should be plus four and a half. Okay, that's going to be it for the entire week here. Great show. We're going to be putting our uh, early Friday games at the end of the actual uh, audio podcast that's available at iTunes. So that way, if you're listening to this on Saturday, you can just skip the last segment if you're not interested in the Friday game. And remember, we got a new feature. Go into YouTube, make a prediction of the exact score of this game, and if you get it right, you get 100 pregame.com dollars to spend any way you want. It's free. Just make a comment in the YouTube section. You can get all of our videos at pregame.tv and like we said in iTunes, you can download and listen. Just search for pregame.com.